May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Happy Pentecost. A very different Pentecost this year, not in church. No flames on the walls. No flames on the end of pews. No sound of wind as we enter the church. Just at home. Waiting. Watching on a screen of some description. A very different Pentecost. But nonetheless, happy Pentecost. Pentecost marks the end of Easter. It's also commonly seen as our, the church's, birthday. It marks the occasion in Acts when we, the disciples, were first emboldened to go out from behind locked doors and to begin living and preaching God's compassion and justice. God's love for all people as seen in the life, ministry, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The coming of the, of the Spirit is a dramatic and important event in the life of us as followers of the way of Christ. Normally on Pentecost we focus on the Acts version of the story and why not? It is a really good story. It's full of drama. It's got, uh, well, Luke didn't really know, or the writer didn't really know how to describe what was going on. And so he includes uh, wind or sound like wind. It wasn't actually wind, but he really had no better way of describing what was going on. And then something like tongues of flame settles on each of the disciples. Again, not tongues of flame, but something like that, because... The writer was really struggling to describe the indescribable that was going on in the room. And then 12 or 120, the details are a little sketchy, to be honest, burst out speaking languages that some of them had no idea even existed before they started speaking them. They emerged from their place or places of waiting. And because of the cacophony they, of sound they were making, a large crowd was drawn uh, just out of interest, some to scorn, some were just mildly interested, and some came to listen. Something very unusual was going on. And after Peter preaches, reaching back into the book of Joel, a new community full of a multitude, a multitude of cultures, customs, languages is formed. There are men and women, rich and poor, and in between, free and slave. And all that should divide them is broken down. The hierarchies of deserving and not deserving, of most important to least important, all crumble. And God's character of generosity and compassion, God's new inclusive way is lived out in spectacular fashion. It's inspiring. And it's a little bit daunting as well as those who are supposed to emulate this first story. And while we normally focus on the Acts story, there are, in fact, other traditions about the giving of the Spirit, and we heard one of those today. 
Paul, we didn't listen to Paul this morning, uh, he seems to think that, uh, actually we did hear a little bit of Paul, um, he seems to think that the Spirit came at Easter with the risen Jesus, as does John, the reading we also listen to. His version, John's version, is very different from the story we heard in Acts, and it's much less dramatic. And it's this version that I want to focus on today, because in this time of the relaxing of rules around how we live in this worldwide pandemic, I suspect that this story about the gifting of the Spirit has much to offer us. But as we read it, we need to remember that this is not the reading from Acts, and we need to stop layering the Acts reading across the top of it. Uh, when I was um, trying to find some art to go um, with my sermon, which I sent out on Friday, I was amazed at how many of the pieces of art had tongues of flame in John's in artwork that was supposed to be depicting John's story. There are no tongues of flame in John's story. It's a very different story. We need to listen to the important understanding of the work of the Spirit offered in this gospel and to note that this tradition of the coming of the Spirit is very different and the theology behind it is very different from the one we find in Acts. So this tradition, like Paul, situates the coming of the Spirit on Easter Sunday. Jesus has ascended and returned. He enters a locked room to be with his downcast, grief-stricken, terrified disciples. Yes, we're back then, where we were seven weeks ago. And as I read this account, four words stand out for me. And I want to focus on those four words this morning. Those four words are peace, breath, forgiveness, and rejoice. So peace. The first gift Jesus gave as he entered this room was peace. It was the gift they most needed. The world had ended with his death. They were unsure about the future of the movement. They were deeply unsure about their own lives. And then they were stupefied and confused when some of the women, Mary included, asserted that Jesus was no longer dead, that he had risen. And that made no sense to them. And, they, and so they were lost in grief and fear and a profound sense of confusion. So before anything else could happen, they needed to stop the whirring confusion in their heads. And they needed to be at peace. When they were at peace, then and only then were they able to receive what else that Jesus offered them. But first, peace. And so twice in the story we heard this morning, Jesus gives them the gift of peace. I suspect that over the last 10 weeks, we too have needed that gift of peace. So I wonder, what gift of peace have you received? What gift of peace have you needed and received over these last 10 weeks? 
How has the risen Christ met you, offering peace? I invite you to spend a moment reflecting on that and the gift of that. My second word is breath. The giving of the Spirit in John's Gospel is much less dramatic than in Acts. I would describe it as gentle. Jesus gathers his disciples and breathes on them, something we wouldn't tolerate today, ironically. The Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, which means spirit, breath, or wind. It also also uh, refers to the life force that sustains all life, including, including human life. So in this moment, Jesus breathes the life, the Ruach of God, that sustains all life into each one of his friends. It is the life and the love that Jesus spoke about often, the life, the love that he shared with God the Father. This is not an external force as it's depicted in Acts, but the, an internal life-sustaining spirit breathed into each one of them and each one of us. So as we listen to that story, I wonder, when have you experienced this life-sustaining Ruach or Spirit of God being breathed into you over the last 10 weeks. And I invite us to spend a moment to reflect on that and the gift of that. My third word is forgiveness. Probably a word, well, forgiveness of sin that we would uh, most like to uh, shy away from, really. Because we often read sin as having a kind of moral component to it. And as we read this, it feels like that John is appointing the church and us as some kind of moral watchdog. And that's not what is going on here. Sin in John's Gospel, and I think pretty much across all the Gospels, but definitely in John's Gospel. Sin is, well, the sin in creation is that all of creation has forgotten that we were created by the God of justice and compassion, the God of generosity and love. And the deep sin in humanity in John's Gospel is that we have forgotten that we are made in the image of that love. And the result is that we, humanity, end up worshipping false gods like greed and fame and power, and we could probably list a whole lot of others in our world today. And the consequences of this idol worship, this sin, has been and is all around us. So for the Gospel writers, and for John in particular, Jesus was the means by which God reminded all humanity of who God is and who we are. 
and in being reminded that we are made in the image of the God of love, of justice, of compassion and generosity, we are shown the love of God and we are set free to live in that love. So in John's Gospel, to live in that love is eternal life. And to choose not to live in that love is sin. So in John's Gospel, the Spirit is always breathed into us so that we might live God's love for all, breaking down the barriers between people and the barriers between people and God. And we can see what that looks like in the account in Acts, which we read in our, in our reading from Acts this morning. That outrageously different community, that inclusive community, it's big stuff. It's heavy stuff. But it's also incredibly practical. As we have lived over the last 10 weeks, I am sure that we have all had moments when others have troubled, antagonized, or just plain annoyed us. Forgiveness is when we let go, when we let that go, and live the compassion and generosity of God instead. So, as we look back over the last 10 weeks, I wonder, who might you need to forgive or ask forgiveness from for what has happened over the last 10 weeks? And I wonder when have been the times when others have forgiven you or you have forgiven others already? So I invite us to spend a moment to reflect on that and the gift of that. My last word is rejoice, or as the contemporary English Bible says, the common English Bible says, joy. The disciples, and these words are out of order, I get that, but I'm sure you'll cope. The disciples responded by Jesus, who entered the room and showed them his hands and his side with joy. They rejoiced. That's an important lesson for us, I think. We can sometimes forget to rejoice. We can forget that joy isn't part of, our, part of our calling. Especially when things are as different as they have been over the last 10 weeks. So I wonder, again, in light of all that I've said above, when have you rejoiced over the last 10 weeks? What is it that you have rejoiced in? What has brought you joy? And what might you be invited to rejoice in as we look ahead? So again, let us spend a moment to reflect on that and the gift of that. So to conclude this little sermon, one of the commentators I, uh, I used to prepare for this uh, reminded me that in John's Gospel, at least, the Spirit is not something that we should seek to understand. 
their comment was that often we either spend far too much time trying to understand the Spirit or ignore the work of the Spirit. Instead, they suggest that the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, is to be trusted. And I suspect that we need this trust now more than ever. We need to know that even though we are still doing church online in our homes, even though we in this country seem to be doing quite well and other countries doing much less well, we need to know and to trust that the breath of the Spirit has been breathed into each one of us. The Ruach, the life-giving Spirit, is within each one of us and at work in, in, in each one of us. And we are invited to place our trust in the presence of the Spirit and the work of the Spirit within us. So I want to end by inviting you to take time today to use these four words, peace, breath, forgiveness, and rejoice, to notice the work of the Spirit in your life and in the world around us, and to use that to grow and trust that the Spirit of God is at work through this time, bringing healing and hope to all people, to all creation, and in particular, bringing healing and hope to you. So you might like to stop this video now and to pause and have a conversation with the people with you, or if you're on your own, to reflect on that. And what it is that these four words, peace, breathe, forgiveness, and rejoice, offer us as we reflect on the work of the Spirit in our lives.